0: This is episode 34 with Josh Snow of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant and purpose-driven minds in business and entrepreneurship so that you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards, and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, stories, struggles, and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. My name is Joel Ong, and I'm your host for today, and welcome to the Entrepreneurs Tribe Podcast. Hey and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Tribe Podcast. My name is Joel and once again thank you so much for sharing your earbuds with me today. I'm going to be the host for the show and today we have a very special guest. His name is Josh Snow at 27 years old and living in Arizona Josh is the founder of Snow from TrySnow.com, the leading teeth whitening system in the world. And it has a level of maturity and success that, uh, you know, only one could dream of achieving. Now, Josh has been actually building these businesses uh, since he was 11 years old and he had his first major exit at 18. And his company now, Snow, is commonly referred to as the Apple of oral care. And he has a ton of celebrity fans like the Kardashians, uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know Chuck Liddell, and others. And you probably have seen his products all over social media as you know this cool light, uh, you know light up teeth whitening gadget that everyone puts in their mouths. So uh, it's a great pleasure to uh, have Josh on the show today, and I think you're gonna really get a lot of insight into his perspectives as a leader and also as a disruptor now once again if you enjoyed these episodes please do leave a review for us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and share this around with your friends and family and people who might find this episode useful um so without further ado let's welcome josh snow (laughs) my first question is what made you decide to do what you're doing today
1: yeah it's a good question so i started entrepreneurship um at A really early age, I was 13 years old. I, I grew up in a uh, very humble household, not a lot of money, and really, I just wanted to help my family out. I wanted to figure out a way to make money, and you know, the internet gave me that chance. And I learned uh, web development, um, kind of just stumbled into it. I was spending a lot of time at a at a library, and there were a lot of books around about uh, you know how to build websites and all of that. And so, you know, I started building websites and started building websites for myself just for fun and then started building websites for teachers friends and people that own small businesses and i started to make 500 bucks here a thousand bucks here just building websites for people you know at 13 14 years old um and that kind of then uh you know uh there's domino effect from there where i started to learn about advertising uh google adsense then i learned about affiliate marketing um and you know, eventually, you know, led that that path led me down to brand building, but really started as a service. Just me, my me myself and I building websites, designing, learning Photoshop, using YouTube tutorials, um, and that kind of snowballed into a multi-million dollar business by the time I graduated university at 20 years old. And then uh, once I once I got out of university, I wanted to figure out what I, you know, what I really wanted to work on. And I I said, you know what? I build websites for other people, build websites for myself. I, you know, manage tens of millions of dollars. um, And sometimes in a given month for other clients, I built a team of 85 people um, and, you know, developers and designers and advertisers. And I said, you know what? I think I would like to take the ultimate challenge, which is to disrupt an industry or at least attempt to, and build a brand from scratch, um, and and see what happens from there. And that's uh, you know that's where Snow, which is my most you know popular brand that kind of people recognize, um, you know that's where the beginning of that came from. But I started. Uh, I'm 27 years old now, so that was 14 years ago. I I, I learned how to make my first website, my first web webpage, um, and then from there it just kept. You know, you once you figure out you're kind of good at it, you can make money at it. You just don't give up as long as you don't give up. And it's really, you know, a a 14 year overnight success story if you're looking at it from the Snow's point of view. But, um, you know, even though I did start Snow with millions of dollars in the bank, I, uh, you know, really started Snow with a very small budget because I had a lot of other businesses and and brands and a lot of things I was incubating and investing in. So snow is not something where I said I'm from. You know, day one going to put two million dollars into. Now I put millions of dollars into the business of my own money. But um, you know, the result is because it really took off, and we continue to double down investing on innovation, all that. But that's where I got started. That's that's what brought me here was really wanting to help my family out, make some money. I learned how to make a website, and uh, you know, here I am with an amazing team and multiple teams across different brands. Um, and and that's what we do today.
0: Mm, yeah, and and you were you were, you were the only kid in the family. or you know, do you have siblings?
1: Yeah, I'm the well, I'm the youngest kid, so um, I'm the youngest by like seven or eight years. So I pretty much grew up as an only child. None of my siblings are in business or entrepreneurs or anything like that. So I was kind of like an you know an alien in my family because I I just really I thought differently. Ever since I was a kid, I, I had a really old soul. Um, the books I read, the way I thought was always different, but I never wanted to be an entrepreneur.
0: I mean, what, what was kind of the influence that, that got you started? I mean, was it more internal or was it like, you know, along the way you, you met a couple of people who uh, became your, you know, your close uh, peer groups and stuff or, you know? Yeah. Like, so,
1: I mean, I, I think that there's certainly an internal thing that drives me. I'm I'm driven by doubt. Doubt is a big trigger for me. So if somebody... You know, doubts my ability, and maybe they don't doubt me directly, but maybe they doubt, you know, young entrepreneurs, or maybe they doubt, you know, people who come from a certain background, or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I think doubt is a big trigger for me internally. I'm constantly trying to become a better version of myself, trying to um, improve myself, and really be thankful every day I wake up. Um, And and it's cliche, but you know, I really am someone. If you spend enough time with me, that just really really enjoys what I do I enjoy deal making I enjoy the business I enjoy the process but I think really it was an infatuation with not just helping my family out but the American dream um, I you know I I think in the early days it was you know wanting to have a Lamborghini and wanting to you know have millions of dollars I wanted to be a millionaire and I don't know why I wanted to do it I don't know what it was but I just wanted millions of dollars. I wanted to help my family out. I wanted to be something in my community. I wanted to be someone that people looked up to and I wanted to be rich. And, you know, that's what initially got me there, you know, got me to, to wanting to work harder and harder. Cause I saw the opportunity. I said, Oh my gosh, if I can, you know, make a thousand websites at a thousand dollars each, that's a million dollars. And obviously, you know, like it's always sounds easier than, than it really is. But that was kind of for me, that's what got me there. And then, you know, after buying the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, the McLaren's, I still have them. But like, you know, after doing that, you there's an like another there's always another level of the game if you're really in it for the right reasons. And now I think I'm in it for the impact. I enjoy it. I there's nothing else I can do. I like this is my this is my sport. I love, love, love what I do. And um the bigger the deal, the bigger the stakes, the bigger the risk, the better the team needs to be. Um, you know, the bigger competitors you have, the better you have to be. So, like the stakes go up, which means you have to be that much better. But now that I'm, you know, I I've had every car, I have every car, I have, like all the materialistic things I've I've, you know, for the most part have acquired, I still have, or I've, I've had at one point. So for me now, like, you know, I'm 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 standing here wearing a ten dollar shirt, and I would I would take this shirt off my back if if it meant that I could continue playing this game because I love. I I love the art of deal making. I love build brand building. I love team building. I love challenging myself to become a better leader. But honestly, what got me there? If I, if I was asking my fourteen or maybe I would say fifteen or sixteen year old self, it was that I wanted to have a Lamborghini. I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted to have you know nice clothes and nice suits, and I wanted to be respected. You know, when I pulled up somewhere, you know, that's I think if I asked my fifteen year old self what I wanted, I don't think I would have had. The clarity and the kind of maturity i have now having gone through it i i just wanted to be rich and i wanted to help my family out that's what i wanted i think initially
0: yeah yeah and and thanks for your honesty josh you know like what is your relationship with yourself and it means you know challenging yourself to become a better leader a better person you know um like how do you communicate with yourself on a you know day-to-day basis yeah
1: i think i'm i think i'm very introspective um I spent a lot of time alone, like even though I was in sports and I, you know, had a lot of friends, I spent a lot of time in my own head because, um, you know, it's a famous quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And so I think it's, it's a lonely sport, in many ways, Um, although it doesn't have to be. And I'm not saying success is lonely. I'm saying, you know, the rise Um, you know, you have to, if, if you're chasing wealth and you're chasing, you know, significant wealth through creating value in a business, you have to, the irony is you have to give a lot away before you have a chance of ever making anything and nothing's guaranteed. So you have to give salaries to hundreds of employees. You have to put all your life savings into it. You have to, you know, deal with the ridicule, the disbelief from your peers, your family, um everyone's saying go get a job it's safer what are you doing like I don't know or maybe they say oh that's a great idea but then they don't help you or they don't buy the products from you so it's it's a very lonely sport um but because of that it's allowed me to really depend on myself in terms of my own self-talk so there's always the imposter syndrome of thinking I'm not good enough uh, or maybe I'm not good enough can I really do this so my relationship with myself is I um I let myself slip every once in a while um, but I'm very strict on myself in the sense of like not strict in terms of, you know, you need to work out for 2 hours every day and you're a loser like I'm more
0: yeah the the discipline right? but yeah. more
1: about the transparency like being like not not bullshitting myself like you know look if I'm gaining weight it's because I'm eating like a pig, you know, it's like, it's fine. And that's okay. Like, you know, I, I gained a lot of weight at one point in my life. And it's because I was prioritizing work and thinking, Oh, you know, once I'm, you know, once I sell this company, or once I IPO, or once I do this, then I'll be, you know, focused on my fitness, I'll focus on my health and my sleep, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, wait a second, like the richest people I know are like, they're happy. And they're like, they're they're you know the ones i know they're happy and you know they sleep you know richard branson john paul de joria like all these people and so i think i'm very raw and authentic with myself even if it hurts where i say you know my thing is i i feel that i was put on this earth to um to be a leader of some sort i don't know what what type exactly i'm still figuring that out but i think in the business world to be um to be a leader and i've got to lead by example but I'm also human. So, you know, I can have fun. I can slip up sometimes I can eat a donut. You know, I can be real with myself, but I, you know, I don't bullshit myself. I don't sit here and stare at myself in the mirror and say, I'm the best man in the world. And I'm this, this, this. It's like, Oh, I watched too much Netflix last night. That's why I'm stressed out today. You know, what am I going to do about it today? So I've learned how to police myself by being uh, uh, disciplined, but most importantly, Uh, transparent with my own self because other people can lie to you, but when you start lying to yourself is when you get yourself in trouble.
0: So, so true, man. And the the self-integrity that Mm -hmm. you're talking about, right? It's like, I, I, I feel the same thing. I mean, I used to you know, uh, get formal, you know, when I, when I don't work out, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, if you do it every day, you get formal, you're like, Oh, what if, you know, uh, my, my physique goes away and everything. And I think what I didn't realize at the time was that um, like, if I, if I was confident and secure in my system, like I knew that, okay, if I put in the hours, I put in the work, I know what it takes to get my body back in shape I don't mind if I don't exercise for a week or two or, you know, have a donut once in a while here and there because I know I can get it back, right? But it's like, I feel like um, when when people have that kind of discipline in the, in the wrong sense of the word, I mean, in, in terms of like forced discipline and, and not being like transparent with themselves, then I think we end up in a situation where we just keep repeating the same things over and over again and then we get the same results. Right. If you had... One thing that you would keep consistently at the back of your mind that would be the most important thing when it comes to brand building in you know the next ten years, uh, what would be? Well,
1: yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, the 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 thing is, you got to look at the brands that you buy and you adore, and that like you don't look for discounts for. So whether it's Apple, like whatever it is, you know, it could be a clothing brand, it could be Louis Vuitton, whatever it is. Look at what makes you adore that brand and pay very close attention to every aspect of what they built. And you can take clues from from a brand like that and you can say, wow, the packaging is is incredible, while the customer service is amazing, while the stores are immaculate, they're clean, while the pricing never goes on sale. Like You can learn some of these core principles that have been around for, I don't know how long, but longer than I've been alive, um, and so I've learned from those brands how to instill that into a direct-to-consumer brand or, or an internet brand differences that the point of sale is different and the distribution economies of scale are different. But um, beyond that, it's still, at the end of the day, people want to buy from who they like and trust. And so how can you, as a brand, personify you know, um, integrity? You know, supporting your products, and I would say the one thing that sticks in my mind all the time is, you've got to say no to as much as you can, and you've got to stay, keep your head down for, you know, decades in order to build a brand. And maybe it takes five years, maybe it takes ten years, maybe it takes twenty years. You can't rush. um, You can't rush a a painting that is going to go in a museum. like, Like you wouldn't want to. And. Um, You know, of course, you might get lucky. Some people might create a painting in five minutes that ends up being worth $100 million. Sure. But um, I'm not I'm not trying to bet on necessary luck. I'm trying to bet on myself, my team, and the the bet that we're making as a company. And, you know, really, you want to stick to your core. If you look at your competitors, or you look at too many things around you, you start to look like them. And all of a sudden, what differentiates you? So you can take cues from your competitors, or you can take cues from other places, but it doesn't mean that what they're doing is right. And so, the reason why people buy, you know, um, you know, certain brands, even like Apple, was because it was a, a manifestation of Steve's uh, initial ideas that were then brought to life by his incredible team. But you know, they were unorthodox, uh, unorthodox products sometimes that just maybe didn't make sense at the time. And that's the thing, as a, as a as a disruptor or an innovator, you have to be willing to uh, pursue a dream that many people won't understand for a very long time. And so you have to be willing to paint in front of an audience. And as that audience grows, they have no idea what you're painting. But you have to continue to sell them on that finished painting. And you've got to make sure that it, it does come out to something that is you know, differentiated and it's worthwhile for them sitting there and watching this whole time, but don't lose the authenticity you bring to the marketplace. So don't create a me too product. Don't just do something because the competitor is doing it. You know, you want to take calculated risks. You don't want to do something so crazy that no one's going to understand it, but there's a lot of art I think that goes into, you know, um, entrepreneurship and design and creation um, that a lot of people discount sometimes they're so focused on the numbers and how many customers and return on ad spend. Like for me, that's not as important. I'm really looking at that's important for, from a business tactical day to day. Of course, a business has to make money in order to stay in business. That's the core principle. I get that. But when you're talking about brand building, you have to almost remove uh, money. You have to remove the constraints of a normal business and you have to think of art and you have to think of art as most pure, pure form and how do the lines, you know, meet each other on the box? And how does it feel? How does the paper feel? And, you know, how does it feel in your mouth when you put the device in there? I'm like, how does it taste? And like, you know, all of that. And then when someone calls in, how do we talk to them? Hi, thank you so much for calling. How can I be, a, you know, assistant today? You know, how can I serve you? And little things like that. It's the compound effect of the little details that create the DNA over a long period of time. Of a brand that is that has longevity and brand equity and value so it's it's a lot of little things done correctly time and time again and that means you have to say no to ninety nine percent of things ninety nine percent of products you want to come out with you have to say no to ninety nine percent of them so that you can focus on the mastery of those products you do come out with
0: uh, what is what is the one percent that you know you've decided on how, how did you apply this to Uh, at least for snow
1: yeah for example i mean uh activated charcoal like charcoal toothpaste and all this stuff was you know was going all over facebook and instagram a few years ago and um you know I, i i thought to myself that the business side of me was like wow this is a trend we need to come out with charcoal toothpaste but then you know i started asking a few you know medical professionals uh and dental professionals what do you think about charcoal and they said oh no 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 that's bad for your teeth. Over time, it's going to wear down the enamel. It's going to cause sensitivity to the teeth. It's not going to be good for the consumer. And so the way I look at my customers is um, they are like family to me. And so would I want to hurt my family just to make money from them in the short term? And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And so we turn down millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of opportunity by not creating a charcoal toothpaste because we felt that it was not something that we could sell to our own mother with confidence. And, you know, I think that's why we have, you know, only six or seven products instead of 50 products, because every product we create is deliberate. It's something that our customers maybe have asked for. It's something that they could use. And when we're creating those products, we're, we're taking out the idea of, of you know d- how can we get this the absolute cheapest first we're thinking how can we make this the absolute best, and then how can we make it affordable, and then how can we make sure that it's going to sell and it's going to, and people are going to like it, and then you put it out there on the market and you start listening for the signals, you know not the noise but the signals the noise are the the sales numbers the you say know, that's that's important it's a signal but the noise could be you know. Um, uh, the return on ad spend the uh, blah 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 all these different metrics that are important from a business perspective but not from a brand perspective the brand perspective is are people coming back and ordering again are they talking to their friends about it are they you know when I call them on the phone I said how'd you like that new product and they said you know what Josh I tried all kinds of stuff before and this just blew my mind oh my gosh tell me more about that it's the feeling that that the art you know when you walk into an art museum you can't necessarily explain just like music why you feel a certain way and that's how people feel about brands there's something that attracts them to that brand and wanting to use it and buy it again and recommend it and it, there are a lot of little you know tactics within that of course that you know make sense but it's it's about how can we say no to 99% of things so every day we say how do we say no today and how many times can we say no today as long as it makes sense, as long as it allows us for for the artist to focus on his painting, instead of you start a painting, you, you don't finish it, you move to the next painting. Oh, you move to the next painting. Oh, you move to the next painting. You will never have an art gallery. You will never be an accomplished artist if you never finish anything, and it's certainly if you never release anything.
0: Mm, yeah it's almost like a taste mm-hmm. right it's like a, a taste not in the oral sense of taste i mean <laughs> just have one final question for you uh, if people want to check out what you're up to or you know they want to get contact with you or find out about snow or some of the other brands that you're building uh how can they get in contact of with course
1: you? yeah i am my my, my whole goal here is, has been to take time out of my day you know it's 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 uh, almost midnight and night here And, you know, it's important to me to share what we're doing here. Like I, you know, I get nothing out of this. You know, if you, we, we believe we've created the best products in the oral care category and we will not stop until, you know, we, we get our products into as many homes as possible because we believe we've created something that is superior and that all those products you can see on trisnow.com. And then on the personal front, you can join, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, entrepreneurs who follow me on Instagram at Josh Snow. We're also on Instagram at Snow, just S-N-O-W on Instagram username. Um, and you can see, you know, some of the stuff I talked about today in this podcast, and you can maybe see some of that manifestation. And by the way, call me out, you know, call me out if you see something that's not, you know, totally there, something off base. We're growing, we're learning, we are students. We don't pretend we know it all. I don't pretend I know it all. Um, and I'm really opening, you know, my mind, my heart, my brand, my team, because we're learning alongside you. Um, and we want to become better versions of ourselves, better version of our brand. And we want to do better by our customers and our community. So I welcome you to join me at Josh Snow on Instagram, TrySnow.com or at Snow on Instagram. And I hope to hear from you guys soon.
0: Thank you so much for your time, George. I truly appreciate it. I mean, uh, it's really, really so much.
1: Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Now, if you are a purpose-driven business owner or expert and you want to create more impact and growth, head over to tapeyourtime.com, T-A-P-E-Y-O-U-R-T-I-M-E.com to download your free pdf on the top 3 mistakes that coaching experts make using video. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or share this with friends and family. Once again, I want to appreciate you for sharing your earbuds with me today. Till next time, bye bye.